Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to It's All Kicking Off, another football roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, Andy Murray and Adam Cleary from What Culture Football here to discuss another burning football issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Football on either iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily football podcasts. But gents, we are gathered here today to discuss some of the best football feuds. Why? Well... This is the week of Colleen Rooney versus Rebecca Vardy, <laughs> after all. Before we get into this, what did you make of yesterday's development? It's the best thing that's happened in British pop culture for three years, in my opinion, because, <laughs> like, genuinely, I mean this, people are probably watching, oh, they're not talking about the bloody wags. Oh, who cares? Like, it's gossip, it's rubbish, right? Genuinely, for the last three years, everything in British pop culture has been high stakes, low fun everything because we've got to try and get a laugh out of stuff like Brexit and the fact the company the country's in complete ruins. Yes. We've got to try and get a laugh out of that, right? So it's really high stakes and really low fun because you're like, oh isn't it funny? He has gone to the EU and called, <laughs> he said we can't waste the extension, but they're, they're like talking about milk and stuff. That's really funny. But this is perfect, right? Because it's really high fun, really low stakes, because it doesn't matter at all, like whether or not Rebecca Vardy leaked any of Colleen Rooney stories. Doesn't matter, but it's really fun. So finally, something knocks all like the horrible political news off, like knocked it off Twitter. It was out searched by it on Google. Everybody stopped talking about the miserable stuff for five minutes. And we get to do high fun, low stakes. And massive, massive credit to Colleen Rooney. A, for the investigative work that she did. And B, for the way she revealed her findings. some Some of the best, like, detective prose I've, prose I've ever read in my life. <laughs> like, have you ever seen a better use of ellipsis? Ever? It's... Rebecca Vardy's account? I was genuinely... I was reading that. I was like, like, I was reading like, I can't believe I'm reading this. I don't care. Mm. I can't believe I... <gasps> no! <laughs> Brilliant. And then Opta immediately coming out with a stat like, even though in the four hours, 11 minutes, Wayne Rooney and Jamie Vardy have shared on the pitch together, neither has ever created a chance for the other one. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, like I really like the the high stakes, low fun description of British pop culture because I think that applies to the Premier League as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the best league in the world, richest league in the world, all this stuff. Every oh, game's really important. Yeah, all these teams get to European finals. Look, the average Premier League game is boring as piss. <laughs> Would you rather sit there and watch Burnley versus Everton grinding out a 1-0 fart or would you like to see two footballers wives cutting promos at each other doing great investigative work entertaining everyone on social media I know my answer football needs more fun stuff like this man 
So I thought we'd use this as a jumping off point for football and footballer feuds. Yes. Uh, Andy Murray, what is the first one that pops on, into your I, head? Don't, I, I'll, I, can, I can do 30 minutes solid on this if you want. What, on just on Vardy I can do, versus I can do you 30 minutes solid on that. It's your, it's your call whether or not you want to make this a wider topic. But okay. I can. I can do 30 Again, minutes solid on I will. On that. It's up to you. It's your and, show. Andy Murray, uh, <laughs> what is the first one that pops into your head when I suggest footballer feuds? I've got two personal favourites. Um... One is related directly to my nationality and my favourite brand of football. I'll save that for a bit later on. The first one I would like to talk about today is Mauro Icardi versus Maxi Lopez. Because never before has there been a footballer feud where the good guy has continually taken every single L in a row. (laughs) Poor Maxi Lopez gets knocked down every single time. So it's around... 2012-ish, they're both playing for Sampdoria. I think Lopez is on loan from Catania, a smaller club. And him and uh, Maru Icardi, they're good mates, they're good pals. Uh, Icardi decides that he kind of wants a little slice (laughs) of Lopez's wife, Wanda Nara. So... You know, he's, he, yeah, well, whatever. Well done it, well done it, well done it. <laughs> he, he, he slides in there and, you know, this affair, it's all over the tabloid. So there you go, that's Lopez's first L. His best mate, his best mate has stolen his wife off him. And he's understandably devastated. This rumbles on for a while. This story's all over the place. Uh, Sam Doria have to sell a Cardi to Inter for something like 11 million euros. Um, this leads to a game dubbed the Wanda, 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 Wanda Nara? Wanda. I don't know. The Wanda Derby. 13th of April, <laughs> that's 2014. That's shocking. That they line. line up against each other, <laughs> the don't they? Derby. The Wanda Derby, really terrible. <laughs> Inter, Icardi's new club, end up pumping Sampdoria 4-0. Lopez has a horrendous game. Icardi gets two goals. That's L number, number two. two. <laughs> At some point, right, during all of this, Icardi gets bloody uh, Lopez's kids tattooed on his goddamn arm, doesn't he? Gets their little faces, faces sitting there or their names or whatever. L number three. Uh, after all this, Lopez buggers off to Kievo, and this is just one month after Wanda and Icardi get married. That's L <laughs> number four. Now, there is a semblance of a W here because Icardi had something of an international... Uh, yeah, sabbatical. Swayed, didn't he? he was away. Yeah, like he didn't get in the team for a long, long time. The Argentina team, and despite being Argentina's probably most prolific forward outside of Messi during this time, there were big, big rumors that this was due to the Argentinian players banding up and going, "No, he's a bellend. We all like Maxi Lopez. Don't let this guy in the team." He's since come back into the team and so forth, I believe. But he only has like eight caps. Um, Leo Messi was apparently a big driving force behind this. Well, that was it. Initially, it came out that, like, oh, the entire Argentina dressing room got together and been like, no, no, we hate Icardi. Then it turned out a little bit later, it's just that Lopez is mates with Messi yeah. and what yeah. Messi says goes. And to compound all of this, Lopez, at one point in this whole thing, after four L's, four big heavy L's ruining his life, I believe he's playing in Brazil now, uh, or Serie B, one of the two, he tries to sue Nara and get her sent to jail, uh, Wanda Nara, for disclosing private information, his private information, and putting it online. Not dick pics, you freaks. But anyway, this ultimately goes to the court. Fails completely. L no evidence. Five. L number five. To quote the great Lou Vega, that is L number five. But you five. know what, man? This has been so one-sided that I believe sometime in the future, sometime... Big Maxi's going to get his W. I don't know how it's going to come. I'll tell you exactly what's going to going to win the World Cup, isn't he? Something like, yeah, they'll actually <laughs> find you in the world. Lopez will win some really low-rent Italian competition, like beating Inter in the final, as he's like lifting the trophy. Yes, I finally got the L on him. You'll just see Icardi putting his arm around his three children. Like, come on, I've won loads in my career. Let's go home for gelato. I'm a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. 
It is. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's one of the best footballer feuds ever. It's perfect. I'm so glad we opened with that. Yeah. I'm so glad we opened with that. Uh, Adam Cleary, follow that. Well, I just I was having a quick neb of your list, and Mm. I just want to try and present one that I think goes under the radar slightly. It's Eden Hazard versus Jose Mourinho Mm. because. Hazard basically decided that he hated Mourinho so much <laughs> that he was going to bin off an entire 18 months of his own career. Like, yeah. if you go back through, Hazard's obviously at Real Madrid now, and you go back, there's been times where he's looked like the most exciting player in the Premier League, arguably the best player in the Premier League for a number of years. But if you just go back through, there's just an 18-month period where he didn't score any goals or really do anything, and he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. One of the most... Well, the player who's been in the conversation with Messi and Ronaldo at various points of his career, there's just a big gap during Mourinho's last 18 months during his second spell at Chelsea, where he doesn't do anything. Like, he barely even scored a goal. And that wasn't that like some horrendous run he went on. It was like mm. 25 games or something mm-hmm. without scoring a goal or registering an assist for Chelsea. Because he couldn't be bothered. Because he hated Mourinho so much. He was happy to bin. I was like, I'm not leaving Chelsea. I get paid a fortune. Yeah, you'll go eventually. And I'll just not play. And if I don't play, the results will be bad. And everyone <laughs> likes me, so it's fine. I can't remember exactly where he decided to turn it back on again. But in my mind... The day Jose Mourinho left. Well, yeah, but in my mind, that's the game where they played Tottenham. Where they basically cost Tottenham the league. He was like, all right, yeah, I'll cost Tottenham the league. Yeah, I'll turn up for this one. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't long after Mourinho had first left. I think I'm right in saying this. It was the one where... Um, was it my, was it Frimpong? Who did they have in the centre? Arsenal had some... Young, was it El Nenny yeah. or Iwobi or someone like that? Frim Pong or uh, someone uh, like that. And Hazard spun him like a Beyblade in the middle of the pitch and beat four players and scores it. Like, yeah, he's actually really, really that good. He tried to foul him and Hazard just kept I going. I just spun him. He just like, had a hold of him and Hazard kept running because he had a hold of him. He kind of spun himself round and dropped on his arse in the centre circle. But that was like, yeah, couldn't be bothered. Just hated Mourinho so much, he binned off his own career. One of them I wanted to mention that I, I thought is is not mentioned enough is Andy Cole versus Teddy Sheringham because it comes <sighs> out of such a it's, weird that, isn't it? It comes like these are these are like you know you took my my wife and kids away from me or you know I just hate your management style yeah. so much I'm going to sabotage my own career. It was a handshake or something. Yeah, it was a it was a friendly game uh, for for England against someone like Uruguay or someone like that Aye. in in the mid nineties. And all it was, was Teddy Sheringham, obviously pissed off that he was getting substituted or just angry at his own performance, just ran off the pitch. Didn't do the customary handshake or pat on the pat on the shoulder, off you go, mate. Andy Cole despised him <laughs> for about six years after that. I feel like maybe a quiet word in the dressing room would have probably yeah. sufficed there. Bit of an odd one, because surely the, the normal human being reaction to have as Andy Cole in that situation is to be like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm coming on to play for England. I think it was his debut, possibly, even. Jesus. Um, one, before I get to your one, because it's spectacular. One thing I wanted to mention is uh, one that is very Newcastle-centric, which is Kieran Dyer versus Lee Bowyer. <laughs> you know what it is? What was your memory of that? <laughs> right, I'll tell you exactly. I was meant to be at that match. I was meant to be at that match. But I ended up, and this is another long story in itself, I was sat in the director's box at Hillsborough with Paul Sturrock. Don't, I, don't I, For the life, it's a long story, but that's where I was, right? I was at Hillsborough. It was a Sheffield Wednesday game. I can't remember who they were playing. I think they lost. But as we were sat watching the game, this bloke stuck his head around the door and went, Paul, Paul, the two boys at Newcastle having a fight on the pitch. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, God, I wonder what, wonder what that's about. Because it was before like Twitter, it was before social media. Mm-hmm, I couldn't mm-hmm. just be like, there was no immediate memes of like, Lee, of like, you know, the, the guy with the girl walking past and it's like, Lee Bowie and Kieran Dyer finishing the match. You're already winning. Or, no, having a fight having on the pitch. <laughs> It, and I remember we got home for match of the day and I'd heard a few rumours it was actually two Newcastle players and obviously we'd seen the thing and it was like Stephen Taylor had been sent off Kieran Dyer had been sent off and Lee Bowie had been sent off and I was like my god was what? it Villa you were playing? Villa yeah, yeah. and the one it was 
one of Sunes's like rare good runs of form they've been on. I think it was like we just got to the semi-final of the FA Cup, quarter-final of the UEFA Cup, and we had Villa at home, and I think we'd have gone fifth or sixth if we'd won that game. And then over the next two weeks, they got beat 4-1 four, four off Man United in the FA Cup, went out over two legs, getting beat, I think, 4-2 off Sporting Lisbon in the UEFA Cup, and they had three players sent off in one game with two of them having a fight in the middle of the pitch. And it's just, to this day, it's never quite been established precisely what happened. It was a pass that had gone astray, and one of them had turned and had words with the other. And then that just led to be, oh, right, like, do you want to go? And then they both apparently wanted to go. <laughs> the club, obviously knowing that Lee Bowyer's reputation was considerably worse than Kieran Dyer's, had attempted to sort of paint Bowyer as the aggressor in all of it, which, which kind of worked until he saw all the photos where, like, uh, Bowyer is, like, covered. He's, like, his shirt's ripped down to about here, and Kieran Dyer looks like there's not a scratch on him. So it didn't really work. And it was just the beginning of the end for that whole era of Newcastle yeah. where like Robson had assembled this side of like really high reputation footballers who were going to do this and we're going to do that and we're maybe going to challenge for the league and all this and then just it never worked and you realise oh wait hang on they're all just massively overpaid inflated ego mercenaries who like had no interest in the club whatsoever and it was just all went downhill from One there. One of my vivid memories of that, I, sh- I think it's, I think it's Shearer. This. Yeah, it's yeah. Shearer <laughs> pulling him away and his face Yeah. Is Looks like a little battle rap, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, another one very quickly to mention, whilst we're on the topic of Newcastle, is a more recent one, uh, off the pitch, let's say. Alan Shearer versus Michael Owen. Get in. Well, Michael Owen's a twat, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> like, the, the thing you need to know about this, like the cut, the, the end all be of it, is the Newcastle fans never really took to Michael Owen because he was an England player first and Newcastle player second. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's... It wasn't just like, oh, when he left, there was revisionism about it. It was like, you could always see after the first couple of months, it just wasn't yeah, that. It couldn't be arsed. It wasn't that yeah, arsed It couldn't be arsed. And there's not really a lot of blame to take from that. Freddie Shepard was another one, put him on a massive inflated contract. He was never really that bothered about being there. And it's one of those things where if he just left, shut up, taking the booze that he's, that he's due, it wouldn't have been a big thing. But Michael Owen keeps bringing up Newcastle United every chance he gets. When he has a book out. When he, yeah, well, that's the thing, though. He was like, oh... Oh, Newcastle fans giving us this, giving us that. It's like, well, you've just brought a book out, and your your press team, your mar- your marketing for this book tour is about the bit the excerpts you're releasing are all about Newcastle United. So he keeps bringing it up, and it's just like, let it go. Was it you were telling me that there's a there's a bookstore in Newcastle? That... They've never not stocked a sports book in history, and they're not going to bother with Michael Owen. That's tremendously that. petty. I love it. It's, uh, it's obviously, the sheer things like. He's at the stage now where he knows how the game's played. He knows, you know, Michael Owen this, Michael Owen that. But now it's like it's gone on for so long and no one keeps bringing it up so much. He's like, wind it in. You look, oh, he's, just, he's just a gimp, Michael Owen. Like, I can't stand him. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, let's talk uh, from a player you hate to a player you oh. and most of the office, to be perfectly honest, absolutely love. If you're tired of Scott Brown, you're tired of football. He's the greatest. Right, life? Yeah. I, I Listen, I'm an Aberdeen fan. I should really hate this guy, but I think he's just the best box office player in Scottish football history. He's captain of our Bastards Eleven. He, ab- oh, he absolutely is. He's the most banter player of all time. So I'm going to take you back to 2011. Old Firm Derby, I believe it was in February. Is this uh, is his origin story, sorry. This is kind of his yeah. origin story. I think this was the game in which Scott Brown finally ascended to godhood. It, it's just <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. And, it, you know, this little bad, bad blood between him and this other player, who I'll get into a wee bit here, has just lingered for years as well. It's great mm. stuff. Um, I believe Celtic were managed by Neil Lennon at the time. Now... <laughs> That kind of brings me into another of my favourite... It's favorite. like a witch's brew, this, isn't it? It like really Neil is. Like Lennon, El Hadji, Scott Brown. <laughs> brings me into like another one of my favourite footballing feuds of all time, which is Neil Lennon, uh, specifically his head, versus Alan Shearer's boot. Um... <laughs> But this is, it's a nasty old firm game. El Hadjouf is playing for Rangers. He might be the most Rangers signing of all time because he's a complete bellwipe. Um, he's careening into Scott Brown the whole game. Little, you know, little bitey, like leaving a foot in, all this stuff, charging in, trying to get the guy sent off. He's uh, saying some rather unsavory things about his family. It's all great power. That's what football should be, right? Let's just be balanced to each other. It's more entertaining. Um, what happens, though, is it all backfires on old pantomime villain Juve here. It goes a bit tits up for him because Rangers are winning 2-1. Celtic are down to 10 men. Looks like Rangers are going to coast through this. Now, nah, up steps Bruni. Bang, 2-2, right? Okay, perfect. Scott Brown, after being pelted the whole game by this guy, scores the equalising goal. This spawns one of the more iconic images in modern Scottish football history. (laughs) The celebration in front of him, arms outstretched, Scott Brown like some kind of deity. Juve is just hating life at this point. He's scowling, he's like, oh my God. He looks like he wants a massive crater to open up, swallow him, and just never emerge from that thing again. Gets more interesting after the game. It finishes 2-2, I believe. Um... These guys come out in the press, they take little pot shots at each other. Juve is really fuming because he's obviously sour grapes after the equalizer and all this stuff. He accuses Brown of trying to get him sent off. And Brown, in the most he got booked for the booked for the celebration, in the most Scott Brown statement I have ever heard, said the celebration was brilliant, and I don't regret it in the slightest. It was the best booking I've had in my life. <laughs> and he's had quite a few. <laughs> he's had quite a few. At one month later, Brune, for no reason whatsoever, came out in the press and just said, yeah, Juve's been a bit of a flop, hasn't he? Shouldn't have signed him. <laughs> Twat. Seven years later, Seven years. Scott Brown yeah. is still going on about this goddamn thing because he's just the best jester of all time. And he admitted, I think it was to one of the red tops, that the first thing that went through his head as soon as the ball hit the back of the net was, where's Juve? Yeah. So he seeked him out in, you know, it wasn't quite an Adebayor sprint across the pitch, but it was really good stuff. You can sort of extend <coughs> this to be sort of Scott Brown generally versus Rangers though, because we've enjoyed that over recent yeah, seasons it's as well. Really Last good year's stuff. was a- 
absolutely sensational. <laughs> the post-match interview as well. I was like, don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we, how many places did you get sent off in that game? Uh, effectively, it worked out as something like three because there was a yeah, ban after, after the, the whistle and Ryan Kent should have probably been sent off for punching him in the face, which was great stuff well, so in what, itself. Just run us through what happened in that game. Do you mean you watch this together? Yeah, we did. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, we've watched a lot of banter it's such Scottish a religious experience. Together. I do sort of like, when I imagine it in my head, I draw in other people into my life. So Scott Brown was... <laughs> really just being an arsehole the whole game and like Scott Brown today is not the player he used to be but he's still a classy wind-up merchant and he Alfredo Morelos another tremendous box office player Always in the Scottish Premier League had like four red cards against Aberdeen alone last season something like that I watched I watched two Aberdeen Rangers games with you last season yeah. and in both he was sent off he was sent <laughs> off it's great patter uh, he basically Scott Brown talks Morelos into elbowing him in the face uh, Morelos gets sent off obviously it doesn't take a lot to talk Morelos into getting mm-hmm, himself sent mm-hmm. off but it was great stuff um, though later on there's a scuffle between him and Ryan Kent who was on loan from uh, from Liverpool Ends up with Kent properly biffing Brown across Aye. the face. Really great shot. Uh, <laughs> like Rangers fans in the aftermath made Kent this kind of heroic fit. He had a really good season for Rangers as well. You love to see it either way. And then after the bell, after the bell, it's not wrestling. After the bell. <laughs> after the whistle. Pretty close to it. Yeah, there's another. Brown, of course, celebrates in front of a bunch of Rangers fans because that's what he does. Uh, of the most mediocre Rangers player maybe of all time, Andy Halliday, who's a very much a, I love the Rangers and my heart bleeds blue and all this guff um he's like oh you're not saying this about my club and gets really personally affronted by this gets sent off for i believe it was maybe a second booking after the whistle and then scott brown's post-match interview is just a thing of beauty where he's like what, what, what was he what was he saying yeah you asking what happened andy Halley's like just congratulate him on the win That's yeah <laughs> and then when he basically they asked the follow-up question he doubled down and just kind of went that's uh, great. <laughs> before we before this, it, be, it basically devolves into a Scott Brown love, and we should mention the very quick one where someone threw something at him on the pitch. Oh yes, this was at Petardry. I was there. Um, <laughs> it Scott, was you. Uh, it <laughs> might have been it. me. Um, it was about thirty minutes into an Aberdeen Celtic game. It was quite competitive. It was a good, quite attritional match. Scott Brown was winding people up. It was great. The guy behind me absolutely burst seven blood vessels, like <laughs> screaming at him. Scott Brown or Celtic score on about thirty-five minutes. Uh, for some reason, Scott Brown's instinct is to not go up to like the South Stand, which has the more passionate Aberdeen fans, or the Main Stand, which is all like the it's a bit more expensive. You might want to get up the suits or whatever. No, he goes to the Family Stand, where all the little kids are, all these little grublets are, and uh, decides to celebrate in their face. What one person does in this Family Stand, presumably he's taking little Tommy, who's like five years old, setting a great example here, throws a half-eaten pie. It's Scott Brown. I can't remember if it hits Scott Brown, but it doesn't matter because the key thing here is that in one movement, as the pie landed near him, Scott Brown leans down, picks the pie up, takes a bite out of it, throws it down, and celebrates in their face anyway. That is <laughs> minging. That's why it's so great. You can't hate on someone you like can. that. You can. uh, let's rattle through a few other ones very quickly. Uh, Zidane <coughs> versus Matarazzi. Yes. Well, this is the thing. I don't know if this goes down as one of the greatest football banter rivalries of all time, but it it's probably spawned the most iconic image of two men sort of putting aside the team game they were playing and deciding that it like it didn't matter anymore. Now, there's been, like, how many different versions of this story? Oh, I don't know. Matt, it was about was Zidane's sister, then it was a, it was racially charged, and it's been this, it's been that, it's been every single version of it. I don't think at any stage either man has ever consistently given one side of the story. They've both said various things about it, but if you go back through the various reports of it, they've all said, they've said this, they've said that, they've changed their story, they've said they don't want to talk about it, they've said they do want to talk about it, but it's a World <coughs> Cup final. And Zinedine, your last ever game. Zinedine Zidane, how he goes out 
from professional football as a player is with a red card down the tunnel past the World Cup trophy. He has no doubt just cost France. Having scored a penalty. Yeah, having, I mean, people go, oh, he scored a penalty. He nearly missed that yeah, penalty. Yeah. Like, he was, his yeah. head was all over the place. The thing about this, right, I've always been a bit suspicious of it because Zidane was talked about as being finished going into that tournament. He'd had a, by his standards, he'd had a rotten season at club level. He'd been in and out the side. He'd not really been doing it. And then he turns up at this tournament and all of a sudden... He's lost 10 years. Like, he's absolutely... He dominates the entire tournament. He's the best player in it by an absolute mile. And then, lo and behold, he get to the final, and his head's absolutely <laughs> all over the place. Now, I think it'll come out in a couple of years. There was something not quite right there. Something a bit suspicious, if you know what I mean. But, like, the guy just... What are you doing? <laughs> he head puts him in the teeth. Like... What do you think? Does he, did he think by not using his hands he'd get away with it? Because like, this was around the time where it was all, all of a sudden that Lord come in. If you raise your hands, you're off. Mm. You know what I mean? That was it. If above head, like, that's it. You're gone. So he's obviously just thought, I'm gonna, gonna deck him in the tit. That's gonna like, and it's just, I'm genuinely devastated that this happened when it did, and not more recently because the again the mean potential for this would have been absolutely out of this world. Mm. And the interesting thing was. Maserazzi, who, if you believe the rumours, re what he said, is the villain of the piece, ends lifting the World Cup trophy. Yeah, it's great Help. stuff. Ma- Marco Maserazzi, I'll, I absolutely adore because if you look at the guy, he's a physical colossus. I think he's like six, he's mass, six mm. five, he's massive. He could easily have just dominated the game physically and being really imposing and firing at people and stuff. But he decided to be a complete and utter fanny to boot with that as well, which to me just adds to the legend because he didn't need to be a dick. He just chose to be one because it was a good laugh. Uh, let's quickly rattle through a few more. One that's gone from the opposite of that, the, the physical alterations to just handbags at dawn is Roy Keane versus Patrick Vieira. Oh, my God. I, I learned a lot about football and about life through this rivalry because because I always grew up sort of thinking, oh, Roy Keane's hard. Like, oh, he puts in tackles and he's like a, he's a, he's a dominating centre midfielder. He must be really hard and like scary and quite intimidating. And then um, after that thing happened in the tunnel, where he's like, you know, where he's at the end, he's just like, well, I'll see you on the pitch. And he's like, look, he's just staring, doing like that, uh, the hard man stare down the tunnel. Well, Pascal like, Segan tries to break everything. Yeah, <laughs> I read a big write-up on it being like, psychologically speaking, that man is absolutely terrified. Like the faux hard man stare ah. down the tunnel is like, oh, it doesn't want a part of it, doesn't want anything to do with it. It's like, no, no, I'm just going to try and look hard. And it was like, really? Yeah, like genuinely, it was the kind of moment I realized, like, actually, Roy Keane's an absolute funny. Like, yeah. and you've noticed, like, you've realized ever like, Ever since with his punditry and everything, like it's just this constant like veneer of trying to Bravado. appear like oh ridiculous blah blah blah. Just like trying to like yeah, basically trying to put on that he's like no nonsense and a serious guy and all this. He's absolutely tart. I quickly want to mention uh, Zlatan versus Pep Guardiola because Pep Guardiola to pretty much everyone is one of the best football managers of in time. recent memory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've, I've read Zlatan's book. Of course, I have. Of course, God, you it's have. wonderful, uh, isn't it? And yeah, he says he talks about Mourinho and um, playing under him and playing under Pep Guardiola at Barcelona, of course. And he says if if Jose Mourinho lights up a room, room, Pep Guardiola closes the curtains. Uh, finally, let's conclude yeah. with Luis Suarez versus, well, everyone, to yeah. be perfectly Ghana. honest. Ghana. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like in that World Cup. Oh, my God. That little 
ratty celebration when he misses when um, uh, Jan, Jan, Jan misses the penalty. Yeah, yeah. He's just a uh, Suarez. The thing, like, I can't even banter Suarez up because he's just a horrible human being. Like, you know, the things he's been accused of, the things he's allegedly said to various other players, the biting and all this stuff. Twice, I, twice, twice. 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 I um, I particularly enjoyed the the Ghana one because I remember there was an outcry in the press after Uruguay had gone through. And it was like, does so? What's the lesson we're supposed to learn from this game? Does cheating prosper? And I just remember sitting there thinking, yeah, it does yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing yeah. is, if it wins the game, uh, cheating's justified. Suarez right? wanted it more than Asamoah Jan did. Yeah, yeah. Jan scored <laughs> a penalty it. in the penalty shootout. I'd like yeah. to point out. He did. If he'd just done that in the game, game's over. Yeah, be fine. Uh, at the end of year, you, you mentioned the, the horrendous stuff. Yeah, with uh, with Patrice Evra, yeah, of course. Just he bit uh, Ibra. No, bit, not Ibra. Which one? Player when he was in uh, Holland as was well. Against Italy. He beat he, he, in the, uh, the World Cup. Kielini, Kielini, and he bit the Chelsea player whose name completely escapes. Boularus. No. You wouldn't bite him like... The one who got suspended <laughs> for the Champions League final and got told about it on, on live TV. Oh, Matic. No, the other one. You're right, you're in the, we're in the right area. Eastern European... Kesman. Ivanovic. 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 That's the one. There we go. Thank you. We got there in the end. Three yeah. men with massive arses all three. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, there's not many people who will sit there and say, Luis Suarez is my favourite ever player. Luis Suarez <laughs> did at least do the Premier League the service of... Like, genuinely, between him and Everett, that was absolutely awful. But the person who came out looking worst was... Kenny Dalglish by an absolute oh, million miles. Because yeah. Suarez doubled down. Like, oh, it's a cultural thing. You want to call me a dick? Well, it's a cultural thing. Well, it's like, it was a complete load of rubbish. But then he refused to shake Everest's hand. So, all right, okay, you're playing the pantomime villain here, right? You are you are clearly awful. You've established yourself irredeemable. Patrice Evra, the wronged party, got in his face, got his got his win back when he celebrated in front of him. Both sides that played the role absolutely perfectly. Kenny Dalglish. Not involved in this. Not involved in it. He was the <laughs> Liverpool manager at the time. But like, all he had to do was be like, yeah, bang out of order. Yeah, we agree. Well, the FA, all he had to do was sit there and go, well, the FA have made their decision. It'll be handled internally, blah, blah, blah. But he was just so determined to not lose to Manchester United. Because <laughs> that's what it was to him. It was, it was Liverpool versus Man United. It wasn't Ever versus Suarez. He was so determined. He, would ne- he never, ever admitted any wrongdoing. So he wouldn't have the- Suarez done anything wrong in all of this. And... Like in a dark, in a dark moment for Liverpool, most of the fans started booing ever as a result. And he whipped up this whole like, oh, you, well, you know, I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I think when you look in the context of what he said, I was like, no, just shut, shut up, old man, yeah. shut up. He ended up looking like an abs. It cost him his job in the end, didn't, didn't it? he? Didn't he so. get them some t-shirts for Suarez yeah, as well? This, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. really bad. We we actually yeah. like not to not to drag on because I'm conscious of time, but the, we had a similar situation up north. Uh, Shea Logan, right back for Aberdeen, very fiery player, fan favorite, all this stuff, uh, was racially abused by a Celtic player, Alexander Tonev. I think he was on loan from Aston Villa. So ever since then, there's been like a really entertaining. You know, it's never caught on TV because it's always little things like Shea waving at the fans and going hey when we score against them and stuff but there's always been a nice little brewing undercurrent between the Celtic fans who are booing a guy who was accused of racism by the way and uh, Shea Logan which is always fun uh, one last thing I would just like to say if you've got it in your power right it's, I'm so devastated there's an international break this weekend mm-hmm. I am so so devastated because it now means that we have to keep the Colleen Rooney Rebecca Vardy <laughs> story going and brew it sitting on the boil on the hob for another Week because if we do not get Brendan Rodgers asked about this in a press conference, what has been the point of any of it? Very good point. Any the other nineteen managers in the Premier League would bat it away 
Oh, well, you know, I think that's that's personal stuff for the players. I wouldn't like to be drawn on a comment. Obviously, I'm sure Wayne and Colleen have got their side of it. Obviously, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to speak for Rebecca and Jamie on that. It's not none of my business. Uh, next question, please, blah, blah, blah. Brendan Rogers will not say that. Brendan Rogers will have very interesting insights into the world of social media and the world of tabloid press and the world of Instagram and the world of WAG culture. Brendan Rogers will say things that we will immortalize amongst Brendan Rogers' greatest hits. This is on you. You've got to keep this you one gotta going. You've got to keep it going. But you can't, you can't let it peak. You can't let it go over the top. Just you boil, can't get it sick of boil. it. You've got to keep it on the boil for a week because we need Brendan Rogers to be asked about this. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. More than I need air, <laughs> I need to hear what he thinks about this. Uh, right. This has been It's All Kicking Off. Let us know your uh, favourite footballer feuds in the comment section below. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Uh, and you can send us more on Twitter at WhatCultureFC. Watch there. Follow all three of us. You can follow Andy Murray at... Andy H. Murray. Don't, don't know what the H stands for. Can't be asked. Hadge in El Hadge Juice. No, he's a prick. Okay. Uh, you can follow Adam Cleary at... Adam Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y. Please send me... All your Colleen Rooney memes. Uh, my favourite one by far is still the uh, usual suspects. Armage where he drops the, <laughs> drops the cup when he reads Rebecca Vardy's <laughs> name. You can follow me at Adam Will. One said follow us all at What Culture FC. This has been. It's all kicking off. My thanks to Andy and to Adam. Thank you for watching, and we will see you soon. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.